You're listening to Thrive, where every week we have meaningful conversations with incredible women like you, packed with practical tips and sisterly advice to bring you from a life of simply surviving to thriving. It's personal development for the everyday gal who is done with coasting through her days, done with feeling like she's missing out on the deeper meaning of her own life, and done with mediocrity once and for all. Because it's not enough to simply survive, you deserve to thrive. I'm your host, Erica Gwynn, and I'm ready to thrive together. Here's today's episode. Pour yourself a coffee or grab a glass of wine because boy, do we have a fun episode for you today. Have you ever met someone whose story sounds like it is straight out of a rom-com? That is Claire Henley Miller. Not only did she hike a 2,650 mile hike from Mexico to Canada with only what would fit in her backpack, but she met a guy along the way and ended up marrying him 30 days later. But besides Claire's love story being the actual coolest, she also shares the best life lesson from God she's learned while hiking and some practical essentials for any beginner or aspiring hiker. Stay tuned through this episode. Drop it five stars if you like what you're listening to. And now welcome Claire. Hello, everybody. Oh, hey. <laughs> oh my gosh. I'm so excited that you're here today, Claire. We got connected from Sarah from Team Thrive. And she and I were talking about your story and just how stinking cool and unique of a love story it is. And just adventure story and life story and everything. It's just like incredibly interesting and awesome right off the bat where I'm like anyone would hear this and just immediately be like well I need to hear more so I'm really excited thank you for coming on and chatting today yeah thank you Erica I'm so excited to be here and I, yeah very thankful to Sarah for connecting us um, and yeah very excited to talk about our story yeah oh my gosh well you authored a book called mile 445 hitched in her hiking boots because you met and married your husband within 30 days of beginning to hike the Pacific Crest Trail. So like right off the bat, friends listening in, this is time to like grab your coffee, pour the wine, sit down for story time, because I have a feeling this is like the story of a lifetime, truly. Like what an epic love story. Um, so I just want to pass the mic to you and let you tell us all about it because I feel like it's, have you seen the movie happiness for beginners? I have not. No. Okay. It, it's like trending on Netflix right now. And it feels like it could have been about, about your love story. So I'll pass the mic to you and let you tell us all about it. Sure. Sure. Well, I'll have to check out that, um, that movie happiness for beginners. Um, that sounds neat, but yes. Yeah, so in 2015, I guess I'll just give a rundown of um, the story and you just feel free to yeah. stop me whenever if you have any questions or anything. But in 2015, I had just gotten out of a pretty serious relationship and I was in a job um, working for a corporation. It was a great corporation, but I just wasn't happy in the job. And I've always been very outdoorsy, um, just you know, love hiking, love camping, backpacking the full nine with um, the outdoors. And so I had just gotten out of this relationship, had had plans to hike the Pacific Crest Trail with who I thought was going to be my um, fiance and you know future husband. And this happened in um, Thanksgiving, I guess, 2014. So I was crushed for a few months, but January, 2015, I was like, you know what? Like I'm still going on the Pacific Crest Trail because 
I just turned 25 and life is short and this is a dream of mine and I don't need no man, you know, to, to hike a trail. So I decided to still set out on the PCT. It goes um, from the border of Canada to, or sorry, from the border of Mexico to the border of Canada through California, Oregon, and Washington, um, roughly a 2,600 mile trail that takes on average five months to complete hiking about 20 months or 20 miles a day um, from like April to September. So I did all the preparation. I quit my job um, and I set out and my mindset was I am going solo. Like I am going to do this by myself. I'm going to prove to myself that I can do this um, by myself. So the very last thing I was looking for when I set out to hike this um, gargantuan trail was to meet and marry my husband within the first 30 days of the trail. Um, and it unfolded that we ended up meeting um, on the trail and through hiking, there are people known as trail angels and they come in all forms, um, people who will, you know, set up on the side of the trail where there's a road crossing and like give you wine and or cheese or snacks or, you know, yummy drinks, just like fun stuff like that or people who go even further, who will actually welcome you into their homes and like let you stay the night, you know, take a shower, wash your clothes. Um, because the towns that you come to are few and far between, like on average, you're hiking on the PCT, I would say between like three to five days or so before you hit a town, probably more like five days, but um, yeah. So the some of the most famous trail angels on the PCT, they're known as Scout and Frodo. They're um, a, they're a couple, a retired couple. They were probably in their 60s or so, early 60s, when Caleb, my husband, and I um, started the trail. And it just so happened, like I'm from Tennessee. Caleb, who's known as who became known as Big Spoon on the trail um, because everybody gets trail names, he's from New Jersey. And we just so happened to fly into San Diego, which is really close to the terminus of the. Um, trail in California, flying to San Diego the same day, I believe it was April 21st, and decided to stay um, or had set up to stay with Scout and Frodo the very same day of our trail. And we're coming from two very different like backgrounds and reasons for hiking the trail. Um, and that was the year that the movie Wild, based on the memoir Wild by Cheryl Strayed, came out. So it was um, the most popular year at that time for hiking the Pacific Crest Trail. I think there was something like 2000 hikers were gonna hike it. Um, and now it's just like steadily um, gained in popularity since then. But so there were a total of 50 hikers that day at Scout and Frodo's house. So, and everyone's you know hustling to get ready to start the trail the next day um, because Scout and Frodo, they're awesome. They get all these volunteers and they have a huge dinner for everyone. And then the next morning, super early, um, there's a huge carpool that takes all the hikers to the trailhead to start the trail. Um, so Caleb, according to Caleb, he, I caught his eye or he, he noticed me. And, um, but to be totally honest, like I didn't notice him at all. Like I was very focused, like very, very focused on, you know, do I have all my gear? Um, you know, tomorrow's the big day. I've been preparing for this for months. And so I, he noticed me. I did not notice him. I have a very brief, you know, memory of like a flash of him in my mind because he wore this bright blue like raw egg um, hiking shirt and he's very tall he's 6'4 he has bright blonde hair so he definitely stands out in a crowd um so I have this like 
you know, I remember seeing like the bright blue shirt mostly. And what's kind of funny is we looked back a few weeks later, Scout and Frodo, they take a big group photo um, at the end of the dinner. And out of a group of probably like 70 people because of all the volunteers, Caleb was standing right behind me in the in the whole group. So it's it was almost like, you know, like destiny from from the start. But um but yeah, so the next morning um I set off on the hike and I just continued to hike um by myself for the next I guess two days or so before coming into the first teeny tiny town, which was literally just literally just had a post office and a restaurant called Mount Laguna. Um so so cute, but I had gotten into that town right as a, or right before a big storm was um, coming in. Oh, and there's a campground there where all the hikers can um, sleep for the night. But um, so I go to the restaurant, I'm hungry and I'm tired. And there is um, a hiker table there, a big long table, and it's completely full with all the hikers who are just kind of getting in out of the rain. And there's one seat left at the table and it's at the head of the table. Um, so I sit down and at the other head was Caleb and he looks up at me and he goes, good, you made it. Now we can begin. And I'm just thinking like, begin what, you know, <laughs> like, what are you talking about? Who are you? Um, and so, you know, fast forward after dinner, he catches up to me. He's like a, a few other hikers and I, we got a cabin. We pitched in for a cabin to stay out of the storm if you want to stay with us. And I was like, no, no, no. You know, like I'm, I'm. You know, my mind, I'm like, I am doing this trail on my own, you know? And so that was still my mindset. Um, you know, I fast forward a few more days, I continue to hike the trail by myself. By this point in time, about five days into the trail, um, I hooked up with a couple girls known on the trail. Their trail names were Pandora and Salt Lake. And we kind of became a team. Um, we called ourselves the Tally Hoes, um, which is another story, but it's in the book. And um, it was really fun. Like, I mean, I went into this trail thinking I'm just doing it by myself, but came to realize um, through meeting Pandora and Salt Lake and hiking with them, like, oh, it's so much richer with other people, you know, with the people, um, just with your kindred people who came into it with um, like a like-minded goals. And so it just became so fun. It felt like, you know, just one super long slumber party and um, and you're in the raw too, like you are, so you're just like your true self is completely exposed, you know, because we were in 100 degree desert heat and water sources were very far apart. Um, you know, you have to use the bathroom in the woods and you just, you're sweating and you're stinking and you're working so hard physically all day, every day. Um, so like you're, it just, it can't be helped that like your just true self is is out in the open. So people, you know, they say a day on the trail is like a month in real life um, because you kind of just cut through the bull right away, you know, and you're just like people connect really instantly on the trail. Um, so we became a group, Pandora, Salt Lake, and I. It was really, really fun. And we had kind of kept running into Caleb, who again was, he got the nickname Big Spoon, um, which my book goes into you know, the details behind that too. It's a pretty funny story, but, um, and he was hiking with another group at the time and a few days, maybe by like a week into the trail, it got to be where I was almost like, oh, I kind of hope we run into Big Spoon and his group again, um, just from like our run-ins together. And when we would run into each other, it would be like that, 
the butterfly feelings would kind of start to um, come up. But again, I was like, but no, like that is not why I'm here, you know? So, so definitely was suppressing that still, but like still the excitement was there. Um, and we got to, um, I don't know exactly what mile it was. I, I need to like reread my book to refresh my memory, but we got to a mile on the trail. We we're at a water cache where trail angels would stash. They stashed like, like a hundred, like hundreds of gallons of water for the hikers in the desert. It was a very well-known water cache. And so Caleb, he caught up to us there and we were all getting water. We had just gotten water. And I was in my mind thinking, if I go off right now by myself, I wonder if he'll follow after me. And so I did, like I cut my break short and I got off and I started hiking the trail by myself. And sure enough, like a few minutes later, uh, Caleb comes up behind me. And this was the first time in probably like a week since we started the trail that we were alone together and hiking alone. And we ended up hiking for several miles together to camp, um, had like a couple hours, just he and I. And it was within those two hours, like having an actual real conversation with him and actually getting to know him that I realized like, oh, like, okay there's definitely something here. Um, but even still, I was still like, no. Um, so another week or so goes by where I'm strictly just kind of hiking with um, Pandora and Salt Lake, but I had gotten, we'd gotten separated from Big Spoon Caleb and his group for a few days. And I started feeling like, feeling like, oh no, like, am I ever gonna like see him again? And I still didn't even know his real name. Like I just knew him as Big Spoon at this time. I was like, I don't even have any like contact information or, you know, so it was just like really just up to God at that point, you know, if we would. And um, we, I remember Pandora, Salik and I, we went through a day of just like this brutal wind. And it was just a huge day for us. And we get to camp, we're exhausted at this really neat campground. Um, and But the wind is whipping so hard. And that very same night, I didn't know at the time, but Caleb had caught up to us. Um, he'd apparently hiked like 27 miles or something like that to like try to specifically catch up to us. Um, and it wasn't until the next day that we got to camp that when we were all like um, about to turn in for the night, we hear someone come up the trail and we're like, who could that be? It's so late. And it was Caleb. And I just remember thinking like, ah, you know, like he made it, you know, I was just so excited. And um, so anyways, that night he built a big fire for everyone. One of his um, skills is he's really good at fire. And it was, it was such a beacon of hope for us because it was a really, really unusually cold night for being in the California desert. And I mean, we were just freezing and everyone was just exhausted. And he comes down, we get down in this little um, embankment by the creek and he builds this giant fire. And it was just like, it was so wonderful. And even that, that fire, I was like, okay, like, that's really cool too. Like he's, he's building fire, you know, <laughs> like taking us back to our, like our primal instincts of, you know, male woman connections, you know. Um, but that night I had a dream in my tent of I was searching through this really beautiful misty field and I couldn't really see anything because the mist was so heavy um, but in this field like the grass was so green and something was shining really really brightly out of the grass and I go up to it and I bend down and I pick it up and it's this really beautiful like crystal-esque diamond um, and so I had that dream and I wake up the next morning I'm not even really thinking of the dream because I 
open up my tent to see that it had snowed and was still snowing and our whole campground, everything was covered in snow. And um, we were like, oh my gosh, you know, so hus I hustled to um, like pack up my stuff because I'm cold because it's it, by that point in time, it was um, early May and like I had warmer layers, but nothing, nothing extreme for like snow you know so i'm i'm cold so i like bust a move to pack up my tent to get on the trail just to get moving to um warm up and shortly after i'm on the trail um caleb catches up to me and it's just he and i again and we're now we're walking on a ridge in the snow as it's snowing and it's just like so beautiful and so unusual um and as we're walking just I just decided to tell him, I realized, I remembered my dream. I just decided to tell him about my dream. And after I told him about it, he, he was in front of me, he stopped and he turned around and he looked at me and he pulled something out of his shirt pocket. And it was the exact crystal from my dream. Like the Shut exact, oh, yes, no, my gosh, I know. So I'm just like, I'm even now telling the story just covered in goosebumps. I'm just like, just yes, yes. I'm like, like, what is this? Um, and the story behind the crystal is his mom, who's like really, really into rocks and geology. She had bought that specifically for him to carry on the trail, kind of as like his, you know, like token of safety and protection. And so, which is really cool that it came from her too, who I've just grown to love so much as my own mother um, over the years. But yeah, so that happened and he and I are just like, what? And, um, you know, kind of long story short, fast forward after that point in time, I would say we were just inseparable. It just became known. Like, I think it was around that time or maybe shortly after that time, I just realized, like, I just knew like, oh, this is the man like God has picked out for me to marry. Like, oh, like I get it. And that's why it didn't work out with this other dude, you know, way back when, like, this is why. And so I have this realization, this knowledge, and I guess another week goes by. So we're at this point in time, like three weeks into the trail. Um, and we come to this town called Wrightwood staying in this super cute little cabin, just all these little mountain towns are just the cutest little, like most, most romantic towns, you know, ever. And he, um, we had just like restocked on groceries. We're walking back to, I guess at this point in time, we're in the cabin, but he just looks at me. He's like, you know, let's get married. Let's elope. And I'm just thinking, you know, I was, you know, I was thinking by this point in time, I knew like, I know I'm going to marry this man, but in my head, I'm thinking, we'll finish the trail. We'll go back to Tennessee. We'll meet our parents. You know, we'll have a traditional wedding, but here we are now in Wrightwood um, in the cabin. He's saying, let's elope. And I didn't really skip a beat. I was like, okay, let's do it. You know? <laughs> okay. So, um, Caleb is a very, like, if he has a task, he's gonna, he's, he's gonna like tackle that task and get it done. So the next few days, we're really just a whirlwind of him figuring out where can we get a marriage license um, and how can we get married? And about four days or so after us deciding we would just elope, um, we found out that in the town of Acton, which, or I'm sorry, the town of Lancaster, which is outside of um, Los Angeles and really close to the trail where we were in Acton, um, there was a county clerk's office where on Fridays, um, not only could you get the marriage certificate, 
but you could also get married on Fridays. And so it was a Thursday that we discovered this place and we were just about like 20 miles outside of, or 20 miles from um, Lancaster. So we're like, okay, we just have to figure out how to get from the Acton KOA, we're at a campground of America at that point in time, which was just right off the trail, um, how to get from the Acton KOA to Lancaster to get our marriage license and get married. <laughs> um, just, you know, knock it out. Um, and it just so happened that there was another really well-known trail angel in that area, trail angel, um, Mary, I may have changed her name in my book, but um, she caught wind of our story and she was like, I want to drive them to their wedding tomorrow. So, and she was amazing. She showed up the next morning. Um, I asked Pandora, I'll, so, well, I'll, okay, I'll say this and I have something else to say. So I asked Pandora who had become a very trusted friend um, and who also I confided in about Caleb, like, you know, like, what do you think of this guy earlier on? And she's like, oh, he's solid, you know? And um, so anyway, she became our witness and uh, maid of honor, but the trail angel Mary, she showed up Friday morning. She had roses for me and she took us, she dropped us off um, super early, Pandora, Caleb and me um, at the county clerk's office, left, came back with these really like fancy Starbucks drinks for us while we're waiting. Cause we were like first in line before they even opened to get in there. Cause we were like on a mission, you know? And um, it just, everything just unfolded so smoothly and beautifully. It was just, it was really cool. Um, but, but I wanted to say, so before we got married, a few days before, you know, we told our, the people who'd become our good friends on the trail. And we definitely experienced a lot of um, resistance. And like one of our good friends even said like, well, divorces are expensive. And it's like, understandably so, you know, cause we had just known each other like, you know, less than four weeks basically. But so we ended up, um, we ended up getting a lot of, like plaque for it, but Pandora stayed by our side. And so it, so it was, it was an interesting, it, interesting dynamics after people found out we were going to get married, but we knew like, and we tell people to stay like, it's not right for everybody, but it was definitely right for us. And um, yeah, so, and now we've been married eight years and three kids later and still going strong. But so that's, Honestly, that's the story of our marriage of us meeting and getting married. And honestly, that is a rom-com right there. Like somebody call up Netflix, call up the Hallmark channel, give you yeah. guys the deal because that is, <laughs> that is perfect. Um, okay. So what, what made you that confident in like looking back? I know you said, obviously like a day on the trail is like a month in the real world, which I can totally see why, but was, was there something specific that you feel like the two of you each kind of felt or clung to or just or do you think it was really just a deeper feeling of knowing that God gave you in that moment like this is your person yes yeah that's a really good question um and I've even reflected on that too it it really was like we're on the trail and once we really started to hike more and more together I guess it was probably you know two solid weeks of us hiking almost every day together and I mean we're just from sun up to sundown doing everything together to to survive basically um in these really harsh conditions but also in this really spectacular place and i just had like like i have had the feeling of falling in love before 
Um, and this was so different, not that I didn't, you know, fall in love with him or have those feelings of, you know, that, that warm, you know, tingly feelings of love, but it was just, I really, I don't know that I can really explain it that well, but it was just such this profound knowledge of like, this is the man God has set apart for me to marry. Like this is him. And I know not everybody experiences that. Um, and that's okay, you know, but that just in my experience, this was what it was. Um, again, like I never thought, so let's go get married right now, Caleb, you know, but it was just this. And I mean, apart from that knowledge, like he and I have very similar interests, like, and we both, you know, we're both Christians, which is very important to us. And um, I mean, we just get along really, really well. I'm the oldest in my family and he's the youngest. And I think that had just created a really neat balance with the two of us. Um, he's, he's a very, like, he's very, he's a very kind and interesting person. He's really into fossil hunting and he's just very active with the outdoors. And like I said, I'm, I've always been very outdoorsy. So just apart from like the more supernatural aspect of it all, like we have a ton of common interests and um, goals and, you know, we just, we just got along from the get-go. Once I decided, once I like let down my guard, you know, we just, we got along really, really well. It's just always, even still, it's always just so easy to, not that we don't fight, you know, we don't, it's not a perfect marriage. I'm not perfect. He's not perfect, but um, it's just easy to be with him. You know, things are just easy, but, but yeah, does that answer your question? Kind of. Oh yeah. No, I love it. I love it. What do you think was kind of like, the coolest thing that you have learned maybe on that hike or just hiking in general, because I feel like I love hearing stories like that when people are so in tune with nature and just like you get so in tune with yourself and other people. And it's just such a cool opportunity to kind of have divine downloads from, from God and like learn things about his character in so many different ways. So was there, has there been anything in particular that you think has really stood out to you as like, Ooh, a really special lesson learned because of specifically all of your different outdoor adventures? Um, that's a really good question too. So I definitely feel like I learned a ton of things, but one thing I learned that we even kind of try to implement our own home is just like how truly very little you need in life to, to not only survive, but just to have so much contentment um, and joy. And, you know, like we were literally, you know, hiking, everything we needed to survive was in our, our backpacks on our back for, you know, 90 plus days. And um, you just forget about everything else that you left at home. You know, you forget about all the, the, you know, the extra clothes and the furniture even, and just, you know, everything. So it was really cool. Oh, and this reminds me of another thing. So it was really, really cool to, you know, realize like you re just really don't need that much in life um, to make it and not only just make it, but to make it and feel like so much joy and, and contentment. But um, so kind of leading into that was there was a ton of um, like faith that went in, like having to put our trust that went into going on the trail because there are a lot of places where once you get to like a trail crossing or where you're trying to get into town, like town is several miles away from the trail. And so you're going to have to rely on like a hitch, a, a ride from a stranger, you know, to get you to trail, unless you want to like try to hike it yourself. But by that point in time, you're just like done. Um, and 
I know there were more than one um, trail crossings coming into town where people are like, you know, like good luck getting a hitch. Like no one drives up here, you know, like you're going to just have to end up hiking. And Caleb and I would just like, I would just be praying like, God, please, um, please provide for us what we need, you know? And several instances, it would almost be like, we're walking up and the car would just come. And it's like, not that God is a, you know, a magical, like you ask, I give you right away, God, but it was just such an example of his provision for his children, you know, like how he will take care of you. Um, you just have to have faith and go and you will be provided for. Um, that even reminds me of another story on the trail before I even met or started hiking with Caleb. Um, I left from the first town, Mount Laguna, to hike onto the next little spot. And everyone, I think I was the only one, maybe the only hiker who left that afternoon, but I was just so, my mindset was like, I just want to keep going. I still have some energy left, um, but a huge storm, storm was coming in. And, you know, if I knew what I know now, I would have totally stayed at the town, but I thought, oh, it's only four miles. Like I can just crank that out and be at camp and it'll be fine. But um, no, I got caught in the storm and it was, it was terrifying because I was on top. I was on the ridge line, completely exposed, you know, no trees around. Um, and this huge storm comes in like lightning, thunder, rain, the wind though, the wind was the really, really scary part. Cause it was just this extremely heavy wind. And I'm like, it even ripped the um, rain cover off my pack and that went flying down the mountain. And I'm just like, this wind is going to send me off the mountain, you know? And, um, so I'm like, I don't know what to do because I can't set up camp because it's too exposed, but I don't want to keep going, you know, and risk, um, like the storm getting worse. And so I didn't know if I should like turn back and I'm praying right in that moment, like, God, please tell me what to do. And right in that moment, I looked down and in the sand where in all caps was hike on. Um, and so, you know, someone, some hiker earlier in the day had written that, you know, but it was literally, I mean, maybe, wow. maybe not, but, um, but it was literally at the moment, I'm like, God, please tell me what to do. And I looked down at that my feet, hike on. And so I hike on and not even five minutes later, I'm descending the mountain, I'm back into tree cover and I'm, I've reached safety basically. Um, so yeah, I think one of the biggest lessons I learned from the trail is like, God will take care of you, you know, just put, don't be afraid to trust God because he loves us and he, he wants to provide for us and he, and he will. That's awesome. And what's so cool about that too is I mean, granted, not everyone is in a situation like this all the time, but you were truly in a situation of just total forced surrender where it was literally like life or death surrender. And I feel like yes. so many times a lot of us will think that we are surrendering everything to God, but like we're actually kind of white knuckling on the reins ourselves and still exercising our own control or still having doubts or something. It's like rare where you are given the gift of an opportunity like that to truly be completely helpless and be like, all right, God, I need you to show up because otherwise it literally might be life or death or like it, yes. it's, it's completely out of your control and you really get to just come at it from a position of a full faith, totally open heart just to see what God can do. So that is, that is so cool. Yeah, thank you. And that's so true. Yeah, like, whether, you, whether you want to or not, like you have no other option at this point in time. Um, yeah, and it, it is true. It's, you know, you hear all the time, it's like some of the hardest moments in your life, you know, it's like when you cling to God the most and that on the trail, definitely for, for me, definitely proved that to be true. Yeah. 
I love that. Oh my gosh. From a hiking perspective, since you had mentioned it took like months of preparation and I mean, I can't even fathom how you would begin preparing for something of that, of that extent. What did preparation actually look like for that? Like, how do you, I'm obviously you've been hiking for so long that you probably knew a lot going into it already, but like, how did you wrap your brain around preparing for something like that? Yes. Yeah, no. So it was a huge undertaking and, um, I'm a very type A person too. So I was like, I've got it. I want to get it like exactly right. You know, so I can feel, you know, at peace and confident to go on this um, hike. So I started, um, I feel like I started like seriously preparing in January or like early January to start the hike late April. So about five months ish of preparation. And I started with um, Yogi's Pacific Crest Trail Handbook. Yogi, she's a woman. um, She's she's a triple crowner, which means she's hiked the Appalachian Trail, the Pacific Crest Trail, and the Continental Divide Trail, um, three of the big, maybe the biggest through hikes in America. Um, So a ton of knowledge about through hiking. And she wrote a handbook that, I mean, you couldn't, at the time, you couldn't find a more detail-oriented like guide. So I like, I devoured that handbook as if it was like the holy Bible of the PCT. And she gave a ton of good tips. Um, I found like all my maps from her and I figured out like what type of gear to pack. And I wanted to go into it light, like not necessarily an ultralight backpacker um, because they're super hardcore. Like some of these ultralighters like won't even bring tents. Maybe they'll just bring a tarp and like use their trekking pole to set it up. But like I had my little tent, but I had, um, I figured out like what gear to get that was lightweight, um, that wouldn't weigh me down too much. Because like, especially in the desert, you're carrying a lot of water because the water sources are so far apart from each other and water is very heavy. Um, And then you have your food too. So I figured out like lightweight gear to get and I tested that on a few solo um, backpacking trips and hiking trips and felt confident with that. And my initial plan was to do mail drops um, meat. So I bought a bunch of food, um, like dry food in bulk and I spent several hours um, dividing this food up into little boxes that I pre-labeled for which town to go to. My dad, he was like the official um, mailer. He was the the one who's my support from home, who um, when I would get close to each town, he would make sure that my package was sent to the um, correct post office so I'd get it. But um, after a few times of doing the mail drops and going to the post office and getting the boxes and all that, Caleb and I realized like one, we're tired of this food and two, we're finding like everything we need um, at the towns, you know, each town. And it was just, so we just kind of eliminated that hassle from our lives. And we just had, um, cause he was kind of doing something similar with his mom. So we had our parents just stop um, sending us the food and we just ended up getting food along the way. But, um, but yeah, other preparations, um, you know, you have to, kind of figure out like footwear is a really big deal. And I remember reading like go a full size up um, in footwear because your feet swell on the trail from how much hiking you do. And I just remember thinking like, that's insane. Like I'm not doing that, you know? And, um, but hindsight's twenty twenty because on the trail I got terrible blisters and ended up going a full size up on the trail. Um, so if anyone out there is looking to through hike, like go that full size up from the get go and save yourself some pain. Um, But yeah, other than that, it was really just dialing in like food, figuring out food and like maps. I I liked knowing 
knowing that I was going by myself, I liked knowing ahead of time, like around what time will I be getting into each trail? I mean, not trail town. Um, if I stick to the schedule of like roughly 20 miles a day. So I liked having that in mind. And um, I believe I even wrote out a schedule for my parents just to kind of have a rough idea of where I might be if um, uh, they couldn't get a hold of me. I did have a little GPS tracking system that at night I would send the signal. I would just set it up, send a signal, and it would send an email to my parents with like my exact location. And so that gave everyone a bunch of peace of mind too, um, just having that as a little backup. But but yeah, food, gear, um, and a lot of faith, maps, those were the main, and then physical preparation. Um, I didn't do too much conditioning, but after work, most days I would go and hike um, a local trail, Stringers Ridge, and I would have my trekking poles and I would even have my backpack that was weighed down with a bunch of water. And it's like a very um, urban hike. So I looked like a total doofus, you know, like hiking this urban hike with my all my gear. But that was probably the extent of my uh, like physical conditioning for the trail. Oh my gosh. So for the beginning or aspiring hiker who might not be doing something as intense as PCT, what are some of your essentials? Like your must-haves, your recommendations for getting started or like top five for any hiker, this is what you should get or this is what you need. Sure. And now are we talking just strictly hiking or backpacking? Oh gosh. See, clearly I'm a beginner hiker over here because I wouldn't even be able to tell you the difference. Well, it's all good. So hiking, um, you know, I'm thinking like just day hikes, backpacking. I'm thinking like you're going into the backcountry and you're spending the night in the backcountry, like with your backpack and stuff. I guess either. Either. Okay. Um, if they're super well, different. Well, let's see, there's more gear involved with backpacking. So I'll go that route. Um, so you want to have a good backpack. Like that is your foundation for, you know, everything that you're going to be carrying. And I have had um, and used my ULA backpack. It stands for Ultra Light Adventure. Um, it's a it's you know small business run um, backpacking company. I think based in Utah. I think, but it is awesome. I've had it for ten um, ish or so years, and it's still going really strong. And I had it on the PCT, so it's like it's gotten a ton of use. Um, it's awesome because it's lightweight, but it's very durable. Um, so that you know, like you want a durable, lightweight backpack. Um, one really handy item, which I've been, I didn't really, I didn't actually take this on the PCT, but I've been taking it on my shorter backpacking trips is the Camelback water hydration system. You, you know, you put your water in it and then you have a hose that you can feed through your backpack. And so while you're hiking, you can just drink out of the hose and it is so helpful. Like you don't have to stop and, you know, finagle your backpack to get the water out. Um, love that. And let's see, backpacking again, you want to have a really good tent. I have loved, loved, loved my MSR um, Hubba single person Hubba tent. Big Agnes makes really, really awesome tents too. And footwear is key, but that's, um, I prefer trail runners on the trail. Some people might want actual hiking boots. So that's totally, you know, somebody's preference um, in, in terms of footwear, but that's very key too. You want to make sure you know, you're comfortable and it's not too small, you know, so you don't get all the blisters. And I would also recommend if you're going on longer hikes, trekking poles, which um, there can be a lot of, you know, a lot of people don't like to use trekking poles, one, because they think they might look silly. But with when you're 
especially carrying a backpack with all your gear in it, they offer so much stability. They give your legs a break and they can't even give your arms a workout too. So definitely highly recommend trekking poles and Lecky, L-E-K-I, they make a really good trekking pole. Okay. So did you ever have any scary encounters with like bears or something like that? Because I feel like that you, you were on that trail for so long. I'm like, you must have like run into something along the way. Right. Or like, that's, that's like my first fear is, oh my gosh, you're just pitching a tent in the middle of nowhere and you're doing it by yourself. And there must be like lions and tigers and bears. Oh my, on the trail. Right. Yes. Yeah. Um, so no scary bear encounters, although we did see bears and um the town of red red something oh gosh it's red something it's in california um it's near tuolumne falls i believe but anyways we were at a campground and it was actually really funny um this cinnamon bear comes charging through this open field of the campground and is you start hearing all these pots banging because someone outside their rv is realizing like this bear is in my cooler right now trying to steal all my food and it was just hilarious so we were actually heading back to our um, tent when it happened we were kind of up high so we had this view of the whole field and it was something out of a movie like the person was banging their pots and just trying to get the bear away and the bear starts you know bolting through the field um so we did see we did encounter bears but it wasn't scary what was scary were the rattlesnakes um in the southern california desert they we probably came upon um three maybe on the trail and they like to sun out on the trail because it's um you know exposed it's in the sun and so you don't really and they blend in so you don't really see them until you're like right about to step on them and no one like and i grew up in tennessee where you kind of have to watch out for um, water moccasins and copperheads and even rattlesnakes and have, you know i never knew anyone who had gotten bit by a snake i had never had a scary snake encounter but on the trail when um we you know we came upon the rattlesnakes it's very like you know it, it's hair raising but they just instantly they don't they don't want to hurt you you know so they instantly just for the most part bolted um i think it's if you like accidentally actually step on a snake that they're probably gonna retaliate but yeah, so that was that was scary seeing the and cool. It was also really cool, but it was also like, uh, you know, like go yeah. on rattlesnakes. Oh yeah. my gosh. Well, what's even cooler about your story too is like fast forwarding to now when you and Caleb get to go on hikes together with your three kids. What what's like the thing that you hope that they get the most out of hiking now? Or like what are you trying to instill in them since this is like such a such a pivotal part of your own story together as a couple. Yes, yes. Well, we just hope, I mean, we love the outdoors. We just hope to instill like a very true, authentic love for the outdoors and them. Um, it, it, you know, it, for us, we feel like it's easiest to take them on hikes versus like somewhere in public. It's just like, there's just endless things for them to see and explore and like the childlike wonder wonder uh, you know in a child is just so beautiful even as an adult to watch because it's like every little thing they're just so curious about and interested in and even for us as parents i feel like it's helping us grow a deeper appreciation and love um for nature but yeah like i just hope i hope it's not going to be a case where you know years down the road they're we're like hey we're going to hike and they're like no like i'm burned out on that you know i hope it's going to be the case of oh good where are we going you know like let's let's hit it. Um, so yes. Yeah. Just cause 
like nature is, you know, it's freedom and there's so much peace and you just learn so much. And it, it's definitely a way I think to connect with each other. It's a way to connect with God. And um, so, yeah, hopefully they're, they're getting all of that as we take them out more and more. I love that. Well, Claire and getting things wrapped up, got a question for you that we ask everybody to close out thrive, which is what does thrive mean to you and how do you strive to thrive in your everyday life? Strive to thrive. Oh, that's a really good question. You know, I think being a mom, you know, it definitely changes my perspective on thriving. It's not just about like me and my personal goals, but like, how can, um, you know, me and my husband and our kids, how can we all work together as a team towards our comment, you know, towards our goals of hopefully, which are, you know, just loving each other and doing the best we can every day and like looking to God for um, guidance. And, you know, even as a mom, if I'm, if any other moms out there are listening, like, I think it's really important to continue to follow your passions. Like, even if you have kids, because your kids, like, they will gain so much from that as well. And it's so easy to like lose, you know, lose ourselves in the process of motherhood because we're working so hard for our children. And that's such a beautiful thing too. But somehow, some way, still carve out time for yourself each day to just chip away, even if you're just chipping away at something that just brings you so much joy and love. And um, like, it will benefit not only you, but your whole family too. Yeah, I love that. Claire, thank you so much for sharing your story with us all today. Tell everybody where they can find you online to connect with you more. And also, of course, how to grab a copy of your book. Yes, um, I have an Instagram account at Claire Henley Miller. Um, daily updates of our adventures as a family. We live in Maine. It's my husband, three children. Um, we're, you know, daily adventuring to the ocean, hiking, camping, backpacking. So at Claire Henley Miller, and then you can find a copy of Mile 445 on Amazon, um, Mile 445 Hitched in Her Hiking Boots by Claire Henley Miller. Wait, before you go, make sure you're subscribed to never miss an episode of Thrive. Drop five stars on your way out if you like what you just listened to. And come join the party on Instagram at thrive.podcast to stay inspired and thriving all week long. Thanks for tuning in. It's your time to thrive.